another episode of g220 radio this is ricky gans along with mike miller and we want to welcome you to the program here tonight um i want to start off by saying quoting from the book of corinthians first corinthians chapter yeah, first, 13 first corinthians uh that love is patient it's kind it does not envy or boast it's not arrogant or rude it does not insist on its own way it's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but it rejoices in the truth, rejoices in the truth. And so uh, speaking of love, we're going to get into the, the duties of husbands and wives, this being here Valentine's Day. So started here with this, this quote from the scriptures. All right. So we're going to kind of give you a little recap of last week before we get into uh, where we are this week. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. So last week we kind of dealt with just some basic biblical theology of marriage and kind of seeing it, not just looking at it in light of the new Testament, but what has been from the beginning, how, God has created marriage for a man and a woman to come together for the the man to leave his mother and father and to cleave to his wife and to start a new family and to bear children and to raise them in the fear and admiration of the Lord and to be a unit kind of we didn't really talk about it but just to add it on to be kind of the center unit of a society. And we talked about, I mean, just this, it was created before the fall. So it's a, it's kind of, I mean, this is kind of why the Catholics say it's an ordinance, but it like work, it's before the fly before the fall and is good and wise. And, we also saw that with sin, there is an attack on the marriage. To destroy the marriage is to destroy something good and godly. We talked about headship and authority between the husbands being the head of their wives. And how does that reflect in the wives being submissive? And how is that authority played out? We'll probably talk more about that today. Kind of more of a practical. And... Um, that's kind of all we got to. We'll kind of end the 
in the show there's i mean there's so much to talk about i even feel like skimming it here real quick just doesn't do the topic justice um because we, we spoke a lot about just not marriage god created marriage but marriage pointed to something greater and bigger mm-hmm. and that the church would be wed to their groom our lord jesus christ and it was a earthly shadow that will reflect a heavenly um movement and it is used in that way so that we can better know kind of how to act within uh within our marriage because of how christ acts towards his church yeah and when we get into the section today the way we have it broken down we're gonna talk about husbands their duties then we're going to talk about wives and their duties and some of that will intermingle um because some verses Mm -hmm. will kind of but then we're going to get into the guarding of your marriage or the protecting of your marriage and as you were speaking on that mike uh the 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 picture in which god gives us of christ being the the husbandman and being the the bride and and the bridegroom and the church being the bride of Christ, this imagery that's given to us in Scripture, and what that should tell us about how God views marriage, and and what we are saying to the world in the way in which we reflect that to the world. Um, and so, when we get into the protective measures, something that I, I wanted to start that with, and, and we're going to get to that point, but. Off of what you said, you know, Christ being this type that we are pointing to, um, this all really begins with the fear of the Lord. The, the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so those who are seeking to walk in wisdom, walk in Christ being the, the power and wisdom of God, are going to desire to fulfill those duties Again, we're not claiming perfection here, but they're going to desire to fulfill those duties that a husband um, has the roles to fulfill. And likewise with the wife. And then when it comes to protecting, they're going to desire those things uh, because ultimately the fear of the Lord. They want to honor Christ above all things to all that we do, whether we eat or drink, whatever we do, do it unto the glory of the Lord. And what better way to represent that than in the picture of marriage, which God gives us this institution that also points to himself and the bride, his church. Yeah. And we see this in in Ephesians and probably should have brought it up last week, but idolatry is spiritual idolatry and how the covenant between God and Israel is, Looked out. I think that's why Hosea's picture is so pointed and what it means that for Israel to go with the harlot. And yet we see God pursue his people. And that's a God who wants his people to come to him. And so, you know, marriage is this again, this image that God created to help us to understand who he is. And we should take it seriously. 
and all we do, and especially in our roles. If God has defined how we are to act and how he designed a marriage to go, again, we should take it seriously and not try to usurp the Lord's authority and saying, well, no, this is how it should actually be done. Yeah. So now getting into when we look at the duties of the husband, the role in which a husband will play, we, we want to look at scripture and what does the, the scriptures have to teach us about the, the duties and the role of, of, a, of a husband within a marriage. But we go back to Genesis 2.24, uh, where we, we talked about this last week in the creation of man. And then when God brings Adam uh, puts him to sleep and then from his rib creates Eve. He says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. This is what we talked about last week. But then we even see Christ uh, reemphasizing this fact when he's challenged in Matthew 19. Uh, and he says in Matthew 19, 5 and, and said, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So this isn't just something that we see uh, in the Old Testament. We see Christ, who is the creator of all things, uh, re-emphasizing this in the New Testament here, this idea that this is God's divine institution, that a man leaves his father and his mother and clings to his wife, cleaves to his wife. They become one. They become one. And I think when we when we attempt to see the picture, as we've talked about last week and in the beginning of this show, of Christ and his church, then we see the importance of this institution of marriage and the importance of the role of the husband within the marriage to seek to honor that, to seek to love his wife as Christ loves the church. While we may fall short and fail in that many times, that should be ultimately our desire. Yeah. And I mean, you see, I think part of it too, when we look at this verse is the instruction is for the man to go. Mm -hmm. And again, thinking through that and what that kind of shows, and obviously we see this in other texts, but this idea of, the man leading and going and finding um, the wife. He is the, in one sense, as we'll, we'll see later on, this idea is he is the one who is charged for account. Even when you think about Genesis 3, God goes to Adam to mm -hmm. give an account of his sin. Now, Eve is the first one to break the law of God. She's the one who first ate of the fruit. But it is Adam who is held accountable. He's the leader. And I think this kind of, you see this subtle idea beginning here, it's ex then fully expressed later on, of how the husband is to, to lead. He is the one who is called to go, to leave his father and mother, and to hold fast to his wife. 
and to kind of be intentional with this act of finding a a woman to marry and that they can become one and again so very early we start i think it's in to to explicitly say is that we start seeing the seeds it's not explicit you know he could have just because he was talking to adam that could be in the reference but i think as biblical authors will later shed light to it is the husband who takes the initiative and this even works when we think about our salvation who's the one who instant who leads in our salvation what is the lord jesus christ mm -hmm. he's the one who comes to save us and i mean obviously the godhead works together but in the economy in which we see it happen it is christ who comes for his bride to seek the people out i think it's important to kind of to connect those dots again how the parallels between earthly marriage and the heavenly ex heavenly example and truth it portrays yeah and and as you said there you know um we mentioned this last week we will talk about it again here today i'll bring it up right even now because what will be in ephesians uh we'll, we'll reference much from ephesians but in ephesians 5 23 it makes the declarative statement uh, it doesn't make a suggestion. It doesn't command a husband to go be the head of his wife. It makes the declarative statement that for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior, right? So the husband is the head, which means then the husband is responsible, will answer to God, will give an account mm -hmm. for things that are done within his home, for things that are done with the raising of his children. Uh, he will give an account. And, and think for an example, and I know analogies can break down and help me, Mike, if I'm if I'm if I'm I'm failing at this, but you think of a company that is struggling and failing that has a CEO. And there may be people making some decisions within that company. And maybe some of those decisions will cost them money or cost them uh, um you know, uh, as a business to, to go bankrupt or to go out of business or just to lose a lot of funds. But that CEO is going to be held responsible for that mm -hmm. company, for leading that company. And so we, 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 we need to, I think, rightly understand the responsibility that God is placing upon the man. As you mentioned, Adam and Eve, the, the fact that, yes, Eve partook of that tree, which God said not to eat. But this is why we talk often about federal headship, about the covenant head, Adam being that covenant head. It doesn't say through one woman sin came into the world, through one man sin came into the world. He was held responsible for his actions. And he does try to blame Eve and say, well, the woman you gave me, and then this, this blaming game comes on. But God is dealing with Adam. And then when we go and see the, the federal headship of Christ, we he's responsible for those who are in him and takes account for them and he takes his people and he sanctifies them and he he takes this bride and he's beautifying it you know yeah i think that's i mean i think you can take any picture of when people have an authority and and apply it because that's again it's a building block off of how marriage is if marriage is truly the center of society 
the the family is the most basic unit of government kind of in a broad sense it makes sense that you know we, i mean even countries it's the leader who's held responsible we don't blame all of germany for the holocaust it was nazis and more specifically it's adolf hitler he's the one that's kind of held responsible are they involved in it yes they don't it's not that they're not given excuse um for evils that they allowed but the leaders always held at the higher authority and even when we think about jesus as our head as the one who is our authority he will have to give an account you know kind of I guess he doesn't have to give account. Let me rephrase that. He oversees his bride. He watches it. And being the almighty God, the second person of Trinity, with the help of the third person, which which um, comes out of him and the father, proceeds out of him and the father, um, will do what they've said. But he still has he still has that position of authority in which he oversees the the sanctification of his bride so that she is presented wholly to him on the day of judgment. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of scriptures that we look at, we see in the Old Testament, and, and I want to encourage you to go back and listen to some of our Proverbs series because there's so much wisdom and insight given in that. Uh, Mike, when you was talking about... Um, the man being the one that's called called to go out and to seek after this wife, he goes and cleaves to his wife. There's much wisdom in there of the kind of woman you want to look for. Uh, we're going to talk about some of that here with probably Proverbs 31 when we get to the woman's duties um, and responsibilities and roles within uh, the wife. But uh, some some things to, to look for is you're going to find a lot of that in, in Proverbs. So a couple of verses from Proverbs here, Proverbs 18, 22, it says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and, thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Proverbs 1, 8 is Solomon speaking to his son, says, here, my son. Okay, wait, I was going to save that for later. <laughs> Jumping ahead there. <laughs> Proverbs 5, 18 through 19, it says, uh, let your fountain be blessed. Rejoice in the, in the wife of your youth, uh, a lovely deer, a graceful doe, let her breasts fill you. At all times with the light, be intoxicated always in her love. So we're seeing this from Solomon. Even when we go to Ecclesiastes 9.9, it says, Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your, your vain life that he has given you under the sun, because that is your portion in life and in your toil in which you toil under the sun. So some wisdom from Solomon. Again, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to our Proverbs series. Mike, anything you want to say there with those Proverbs and, and Ecclesiastes? Yeah, I think... So I've been reading a book. If you go to our um, Facebook page today, I put a quote from it about the law. I was just talking about um, the title is the Lord is go. The Lord is good seeking the Lord in Proverbs. I think is what the full title is. Anyways, it's dealing about the goodness of God and that attributes, especially as it is related within the, the Psalms. And one thing I think kind of thinking about God's goodness that he created 
marriage before the fall. So marriage is good. It comes from the character of God because whatever God creates is good. And when you think of the Proverbs, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord just speaks about God's goodness to us, even in our sinful estate. Proverbs 18 is written after the fall. It is done in the light of the fall. And yet the proverb reigns true that he who finds a wife finds a good thing. And, you know, so it's a duty for a, a husband to find, or it's a duty for a man to find a wife. And that that is a good thing from the Lord. That is being in the, in one sense, the Lord's favor. And, the, you know, and obviously the Paul will kind of say it's better to be single. I think we need to understand that rightly. But that's how God made us. He made us as men to have a wife because it's good for us. There are things men are naturally bad at. When my kids are hurt, they do not come to me. I tell them to suck it up, buttercup, and go on their way. Um, it's what dads do. My wife is nurtures them. Now, if they do foolish things, there may be not as much. Maybe deserve and deservedly for because they do foolish things. But there is, you know, something. There's something there and different. Um, and another thing too, and I don't know if I've talked about this on the show. I know my wife has mentioned that in talking about it is that a, a duty as of the wife is to make theology visible mm. and to, to think about what does it look like to show, to mean that you're hospitable and the wives are are a way to make theology tangible and beautiful in ways that I can never do. And I think that's, there's an element there in which when we think about the goodness of God in creating marriage for men is just God being who he is as being kind and giving us what we need to be able to be in his favor and to to come to him in that way. And so, I mean, the Proverbs there is just stating, um, again, just reminding us of the goodness of marriage and the goodness of finding a wife. Yeah. Uh, 1 Timothy 5.8 tells us, but if any man does not provide for his relatives and especially a member of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So a duty of a, of a husband is to provide, to provide for his family. Um, and we, we see that with, you know, going out and providing, a, uh, you know, working to provide food, to provide the finances that are needed for a place to live, shelter, and whatnot. This is um, something that the Bible speaks of, and it, 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 it pretty much gives a harsh warning here that if you're not providing for your family, um, you've denied the faith and you're worse than an unbeliever here. 
you know, and, and so this is a serious charge of a, of a duty of a husband to provide for his family. Now, obviously, um, if there's a single mother out there and she's doing the best to provide for her family as well, rather than just, you know, not, I don't want to get into the, the, the nuances that we can get into because we're looking at this from a biblical perspective, the way that God has designed a marriage to be. We understand that there are broken marriages at times and there are single people that are raising children because of those broken marriages. We're going to talk about marriage and divorce uh, or, or divorce and remarriage uh, later on in this series, and we will get there. But those things do happen because we live in a fallen world. But speaking of the husband, speaking of the men, uh, that they are to provide for their families. Yeah, and I think that's... Um, trying important to remember. I mean, before Adam is kind of given in marriage, he's given a duty to work the land. Um, and in it's in his working in the land and the naming of the people, God reveals to him his need for his wife. And we see again that we've done we did a show on work. You know, this idea of work is good. Work was given before the fall. But then also God has given kind of the, again, the responsibility to take care of the family um, and giving with, you know, kind of how to work. And traditionally we've seen this work out where the women kind of manage the household raise the kids they may have a they also work they may have a small garden we can see that in proverbs 31 they they're not not doing work in mm -hmm. one sense but also in there is there is the idea that the the man is out kind of for the lack of a better word lack of a better word you know bringing home the bacon he's bringing home mm -hmm. the money to sustain the family and while they worked together in union to accomplish the goal set before him, and that is for us to have dominion over creation and to bring to work the land and to cultivate what God has given to us, it is, I mean, it is man's responsibility, even in the curse, to work the ground. It's his mm -hmm. occupation that is cursed. Um, in the fall, and if we think think of the curse of with the women, it's in childbearing and the hardship that brings. And so I think there is this element of you know again, and seeing is that the man is the primary income in our language for the family. But that doesn't mean the wife doesn't work or doesn't um can't work it's it looks differently because even proverbs 31 the the wife is taking fruit to the market to sell she's doing things around the house she is navigating that and so i realize it's kind of pushing both sides but i think you know there is that emphasis on the man's duty to work and to provide for their family, which I realize maybe in today's economy is a lot harder 
mm-hmm. to do. And but I also we need to recognize that as, you know, trying to be faithful in that way. How mm-hmm. do we be faithful where that's the case? But I, and I was going to say, I, I think also when we think about this, and I don't want to go too far down because we could probably spend a lot of time on this. Mm-hmm. But something that that I believe happens, I, I understand there are situations and there are circumstances where maybe within a married couple, the man, uh, maybe because of health or gets un, un, unemployed for a period of time or is doing something where the woman then is more of the provider for a period of time. Right. Mm-hmm. But there are in our society today, these role reversals of I'm going to stay and be at home and be the stay at home daddy playing the role of mommy while mom works and she goes to work and brings home these the money and everything. And I think what it does is it takes away um, <clears throat> from the the response. It takes away that that accomplishment that God gives to a man to be fulfilling in his work to do the things that he is created to do if that makes sense it, to 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 go out and to provide for his family um and it and i think it it can uh I'm trying to think of the right word uh here uh kind of cripple the man to some degree and what you then see in a lot of these cases like kind of what we talked about last week is then in 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 many of those cases you see the woman kind of becoming the head of the house i'm the one bringing home the majority of the money i'm the one doing this Therefore, we're going to follow my rules and instructions, not being led by the wife. If if that makes sense, if, if that's understandable uh, where I'm trying to go. I know we could go probably down a whole path with this one. But Mike, yeah. any thoughts on that as well? So, I mean, just to maybe get into light of ours, the situation I'm in with my wife is um, we both work. We both work full time. And kind of that issue of... And I'll just say it. My wife makes more than I do at this time. Um, and we're just in this situation in our life. That's kind of how it has worked out with kind of her starting to work to help get me through seminary. And then kind of me trying to make up times that I just wasn't in the workforce. And... Um, and to, to state this is not how we want to stay. So just to kind of – so not to make me sound hypocritical. Um, this is not the way we want to stay and seeing it. Um, so there are people like my wife and I in our situation that have this. And so, again, we have to, I think, recognize the fallenness in the nature that we have. Mm-hmm. And especially in the economy who kind of is more egalitarian and it kind of expects this both people work idea. Um, but I mean, your family's testament, I know others that it is possible to have a husband who's able to provide. And that's where we are aiming for. And I think, to not to sound so judgmental if you're not, you know, in one sense, a one income family with the husband and the wife raising the kid, the kids that you acknowledge your situation and you think about how can we be obedient in the situation that we find ourselves in 
and work to become more compliant in that way. You know, you just can't, like for us, my wife just can't quit. We would go into bankruptcy, um, not fairly quickly, but that's a possibility unless I find a better job. So, you know, to obviously there's, so there's people in different situations that we need to consider and to think of, but I think in the end and how we do it is what is the biblical model? And then how do we, if we're not there, how do we get there? And that is again, the, a difficult role as a husband to try to figure out how we're going to make this gap where we can be in more accordance to how God has designed us and even desires of both me and my wife. Yeah. And, and that's why I said, I think we could probably spend a long time in fleshing this out because that's why I wanted to preface it with sometimes there are those seasons in your life. And we're not only a one family income house here. Uh, my wife works from home, so she's home, but she yeah. works from home as well. So it's, it's in this, in the, in the society in which we live, my point is I, I know where people completely stop working altogether to stay home and the wife becomes the breadwinner. And then you, like I said, because of the way that the society is putting this flip, this reversal of the roles, then the women, because most of the time in these cases, they're not Christian families. They're not seeking to be biblical. You know, yeah. uh, sometimes we may find ourselves in situations and seasons and whatnot. But then there you have this reversal of the roles where then the woman becomes the more head of the house, being the one that's providing for the family uh, and, and whatnot. So but those are things we have to think through and consider. And again, like I said, we could probably do a whole show where we flush that out more uh, and really get into some of the nuances. It's like we've said multiple times on the program. Um, theology is laid out for us in Scripture. But sometimes when you're dealing with people and circumstances, not everything is black and white. You have to try to mm -hmm. say, OK, how do we navigate this to the best of our abilities or within the family uh, and, and honor Christ as we go forth and do this? Um, another duty of the husband, when we look at First Peter 3, 7, it says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. There's a caveat there, too, that your prayers may be hindered if you're not doing this. Um, but it, it lets you know to live with your wives in an understanding way. And again, in in today's society, I think because of feminism and so much of the world pushing into the marriages, the, the worldly way of doing things, Mr. and Mrs. Worldly Wise coming in trying to say, this is how you should do it. Um, it can be difficult for a husband, but we're commanded to live with them in an understanding way, to be understanding of, of, of uh, what's going on maybe in your wife's life uh, and how to communicate with her uh, to the best that you can um, and showing honor to her as the weaker vessel, right? And so this is another duty that we see presented, a responsibility, a role of a husband uh, within the marriage. We might only get to, to husbands tonight. <laughs> we might have to kick no. this series out further. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think what's important to you to remember is this comes on the heels of what Peter has just spoken 
to the wives to be subject to their husbands. And, and I think similar in Ephesians, what we see here is kind of the pushback about women submitting to husbands is what if the husband is domineering and is always constantly like, make me a sandwich. No, you made it wrong. Make it again. This kind of character character of was well, just kind of probably more and less like a psychologically abusive husband. But what we see in both cases, and especially here, is the call that the husbands aren't called to treat their wives that way. I mean, the text is, is clear. Live with your wives in an understanding way. There's this kind of idea of being peaceful and being the peacemaker and trying to know your wife and to, to know her needs and to, to be a way to show her respect. And it's that domineering type husbands that is this passage is warring against and it's their prayers that will be hindered. And if your prayers are hindered, that's kind of in somewhat equating you to a non-believer. God doesn't hear the prayers of the wicked. He doesn't he doesn't care what they have to say outside of repentance to him when he's changed their hearts. And so for their prayers to be hindered makes them more of an unbeliever not believing in the promises of God, not being obedient and seeing that their wives is a, a good thing. And to love them like Christ has loved the church. And to to be with them and, and showing them honor and their, you know, as the, the weaker vessel. And the depths of what that means um, of them. And, and the reason why. They are hairs with you of the grace of life. That, you know, again, that, that language of with us where we are one and to, to not show honor, to be domineering to my wife is, is saying something about this oneness that we're not one. And again, it, it's the, the husband's duty not to, is to love their wives in these ways, obviously with sin, that's not happened, but I think that's the goal and the stress because it is serious when your prayers are hindered. Yeah. Now, just to kind of pick up a little bit here with the husbands, Paul says this repeatedly. He says it in Ephesians 5.25, husbands love your wives. He says it in Ephesians 5.28, husbands should love their wives. He says it in Ephesians 5.33, let each one of you love his wife as himself. He says this in Colossians 3.19, husbands, love your wives. This emphasis is this is given to men as a command to love their wives. And sometimes we want to base things on feelings or what you're not doing for me or what you're not meeting in my needs. But that's mm -hmm. not what's said. It's calling them to love your wife, as Christ loves the church so much that he was die, would die for the church. And sometimes you may not feel 
like your wife's meeting certain needs that you may have, or uh, you may not feel that emotional connection because maybe you're struggling and you're arguing with each other or something, but yet you're still commanded to love her. And we think of that ultimate example of Christ, even when we are faithless, even when we fail to honor him, he still loves his bride. Mm-hmm. And love covers, covers a multitude of sins. Mm-hmm. And when we love sacrificially as Christ has loved his church, we can overlook these sins of our wives. And also considering that as Christians, we believe that the peacemaker should inherit the earth. There is this, and that's kind of related with love to seek peace, to, to find resolution, you know, with it. So the idea of, again, the Bible repeatedly kind of destroys that narrative of this domineering husband. That's what, you know, that's what Christianity is saying, quote unquote, when, when you, when you read the text, that's just not what's happening. God cares about marriage and he cares how the people in the marriage act towards one another. Mm-hmm. And to love our wives is to, to love them in a way in which we oversee maybe some of these sins. We seek to reconcile and bring out in the truth and to understand that God has given us a wife to sanctify us and the same thing for us, for her, that we can grow together in love towards God and keeping each other accountable to the commands of God. And that's what love does. Love brings us further into the truth. And yeah, I mean, and obviously it's important because Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, repeats it multiple times. And as Peter says, it's good to be reminded of these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And one last thing before we move into women, and and, and it is important for us to spend the, the majority of the, the bulk of this on husbands because Again, they're the head. They're the one that's going to be accountable before the Lord for their marriage. Um, but when we see Paul write in Timothy and write in Titus these qualifications for elders and qualifications for deacons, he makes the reference to being the husband of one wife. And I want to point you back to our, our show where we've talked about the qualifications of elders and deacons so you can get a broader understanding of this. Um, but he he mentions the husband of one wife and meaning being faithful to the one that you are with, being a one-woman man. And when you think about faithfulness to your wife, again, there's that picture of the faithfulness of Christ to his bride. Mike, uh, any quick thoughts on that? And then we'll move into the duties of, uh, of women, the wives. Let's, let's move on. Okay. okay. So moving into uh, the wives, we look at, some Proverbs again, Proverbs 12 says an excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like a rottenness to his bones. So you see this, we've seen these contrast and compare that we see in Proverbs. And and again, we want to recommend you to go back and look at our Proverbs series. We have one on Proverbs chapter 12, where we will cover these in more in depth. Uh, So those are there. What's that? And 21. Yeah. Proverbs 21. 
Yeah, Proverbs 21, 19 says it is better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and fretful, fretful wife. So while the husband has the, the duty to love his wife and commanded to do so, the wife also is called to respect her husband. And so in doing so, in, in seeking to respect that authority that is over her, um, not in, in an authoritarian kind of abusive way, as Mike was, was talking about, but in a loving way, in a Christ-like way of headship over the, the wife, uh, the woman is seeking to not be one who is quarrelsome and not be one who is causing uh, the, uh, uh, the situation within their marriage to where the husband wants to go stand on a corner of a roof. You know, or to get away. I just got to get away. I need to leave. I'm, I'm going to go here. I'm going to work extra hours so I don't have to be at home and deal with, you know, my wife. That's not the 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 role of a godly woman. Right. Uh, Proverbs 25, 24 says it's better to live in a corner of the housetop than with on the house with a, a quarrelsome wife. And so those are warnings that are there uh, in the Proverbs that we we are as you're looking for a wife, as we said, a man goes out. These are qualities you're going to want to look for. Is this a godly woman? Because if this is a godly woman, not that she's going to be perfect, not that she's going to be without sin. We will talk about sin as well coming up in this series uh, and how you deal with those conflicts within a marriage. Uh, but you want to look for a woman who's going to want to desire to honor Christ above all things. And in her desire to want to honor Christ, then she's going to honor that role in which God has set the husband as the head. Yeah, I don't know if I have much to add to those. As we said, we've done shows on both Proverbs 12 and 12, Proverbs 21. But just uh, obviously the call here is towards women, but the and it also applies to husbands that mm -hmm. we're to be peacemakers, to be peaceful. That's what, you know, of course, some fretful woman is not just a wife that nags. She's started arguments. She's in these kind of being argumentative when it fights and that it's just, again, calling us to be peacemakers marriage. The marriage relationship is the most intimate relationship. And so when we read Proverbs, we should recognize that those apply mo most quickly to our spouses and how we act with others should be how we act with our spouse. Yeah. Now this word that I'm going to throw out here can be a very offensive word in today's society. Submission, right? Uh -huh. This is a word that uh, um, many of the feminists will rail against and say, it's not right or it's not, uh, we're equal. We should not have to submit. But again, I think that goes back to not understanding the picture of marriage in which God has intended, as Mike was saying there about the husband not being abusive in their role of leadership and headship over their wife, but doing it in a loving way, in a way in which you're an understanding husband towards your wife. Um, but we see this word being given multiple times in the scriptures. In 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6, it says, Likewise, be subject to your own husbands. In Colossians 3.18, Paul writes, Wives, submit to your husbands. Uh, Ephesians 5.22, it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands. In uh, Ephesians 5.24, it says, Wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And going back to uh, 3.18 of Colossians, it says, As is fitting in the Lord, the submission. This mm -hmm. is as is fitting in the Lord. 
And one of the other things I want to add to that, and then I'll turn it over to you, Mike, to give whatever commentary you want on that, is this wives should submit or um, wives should submit or submit to your own husbands in Ephesians 5.22. And I think so we have to understand the submission of what my wife is not to submit to some other man. I'm the head of her. Her submission is to her husband. So, you know, th there are things within our marriage we may work out and, and discuss and have uh, talks about. Uh, another man's not able then to come in and should not be able to come in and then try to get my wife to submit to his understanding of things. No, that's why she has a husband who is lead. And matter of fact, there's even the passage where the scriptures say, if you want to learn, and talking about women being silent in the church, if you want to learn something, Go to your husband, right? Go to him as being the spiritual head of your house, being the one who's helping you and discipling you in those things as well. So, Mike, go ahead. Yeah, I think it's important to to highlight that aspect, that the submission isn't just a blind whatever-goes submission. Just as um, Peter and John in front of the San Sanhedrin said that we will – rather obey God than man, the wife's duty above all is to obey God over man. And so if her husband is acting ungodly and wants her to do ungodly things, she does not have to obey him and therefore making this these commands or breaking these commands because the the idea of submission is that is always connected to how the husband is to love his wife and so to for a wife to be submissive to her husband first is qualified by is it a is it lawful for him to command his wife to do these things I think in how this works out, practically speaking, is that, again, I think when you think of 1 Peter, when you think of uh, what Paul writes, this idea is that the husband just doesn't make decisions. He may be the one who makes the final decision, but to live um, honoring his wife and to make her submitting him easier a husband should consult his wife as a husband and wife as we saw in genesis 1 last week eve was made out of the side of adam they are equal persons adam may have the authority given to him to rule his family and he'll be accountable for that but that doesn't neglect his need to talk to his wife or my need to talk to my wife about things before we make a decision, before a decision is made. We're kind of in a time that we had to find a church to worship at for a short time. And that the decision to go to the church that we're now attending was my decision. But my wife and I talked about the churches we visited, the pros, the cons, the goods, the bads, of what it is. And I think that's kind of when we think about the submission and love from a wife, the wives and husbands, 
it's a cooperative thing. And but the husband is the one to make the decisions. And my wife might come to me with problems that she's been noticing in the household that need to be corrected or fixed or talked about. And we talk about them things. We talk about them things. I don't know why I said them things. We talk about them and we discuss them and we seek what does the what is our duty? Is there which one is more beneficial for us as a family as we try to raise our kids, as we pursue holiness? I think it's that that balance in which in in one sense, I mean this is gonna be really probably an awful you know, having the diverse, the idea of diversity of having multiple voices is I think in marriage is a good thing when a husband and a wife talk to each other and get those viewpoints, especially when the husband is off working, he's not around the kids all day. He doesn't know how bad Johnny was and all the tantrums that he threw between, you know, noon and 3 p.m. And and so there is that kind of living and understanding and talking about these things and then becoming unified and one when kind of the husband makes that decision. Even if the mm -hmm. wife maybe thinks that the decision maybe wasn't the wisest and how she approaches that in respect an honor to think about those things. And then again, a husband should be receptive to receive, you know, things that he may be sinning in. And again, yeah. cause they are one, they grow as one, they're called to be one. And the idea of love and submission only works when they are one. Yeah. And like you said, you know, um, this calling to submission, we, we got to understand that situations are not always perfect or ideal. Mm -hmm. You may have an unbelieving husband. And so long as that unbelieving husband is not seeking to cause you to sin against God, there is still a command or a call for you to be submissive to your husband. And in that passage that I quoted from Peter, it goes on to say, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6. It says, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. Right? That could go for a believer or not a believer. You may not obey the word in an area where you know you should, and your wife still submits to that. Right? Um, and, and, and it says that they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see you're respectful and pure conduct. And so that is telling from the scriptures that a woman through the respectfulness, through pure conduct, uh, they may win their husbands by that, you know, by that submission, mm -hmm. submitting to them. Very important. Um, when we look at, uh, here some other things when we talked about uh, the qualifications for elders that also talks about the, these these the the character of the wives in this uh and in first timothy 3 11 it says their wives likewise must be dignified not slanderers but sober-minded faithful in all things so there's a, a high calling as well to a wife 
to be faithful in all things, to be respectful to the husband, to respect the husband, to to uh, you know uh, be submissive. Uh, their conduct is important. In Titus two three through five, it talks about older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine, and they are to teach what is good, and so to train young women to love their husbands and children to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husband, own husband again, uh, that the word of God may not be reviled. Mike. Yeah, I think you, um, obviously how a husband runs his family is important. And, you know, the, the, having a good support in the in your family with your wife um allows the elder to be able to focus on what they're called to do to lead the church and to grow in as the under shepherd of the church and i think that's you know obviously we talked about this with the um, the roles of a, of an elder that these aren't some like extra level of spirituality that these are, are how God has once all of us to be like, it's just, it's, you know, kind of having more of a, a grounded qualification for, um, for the elders as a mark of kind of being more mature in their faith. And so I think you see um, kind of even with the wives of elders that they are to also be ones who are mature. They're, they're dignified as, you know, they're not um, just adorning themselves externally. But they have the, as Peter would say, the heart with an imperishable beauty of gentle and quiet spirit of, of who they are. And, and so to, to think about, you know, how, and whether we like it or not, I think in one sense, the spouse reflects on the other spouse in, in some way or another, whether good or bad. And I think, again, kind of having that call for a women to be dignified, the wife to be dignified would also reflect on her husband and what they think of, of their husband, of the wife's husband. Yeah. I think what we're going to do is, um, actually put guarding your marriage into next week's program when we deal with the problem of sin, because I think that actually would fit better in practical ways of now that you, you know, is going to be present because we're sinful flesh, sinful human mm -hmm. beings, even though we're saved by the grace of God, we still have sin that we deal with. And I think guarding your marriage will probably fit better there. Plus we're out of time. Um, but it's very important to, uh, to understand these roles and there's so much more we could say that is not we're not going to capture it all within an hour 
Um, there's just no way for us to do that, to exhaustively do that. Um, but we want to, we want to do as much as we can in talking about some of these passages. Again, Proverbs, go to our Proverbs series. There's so much wisdom to glean from Proverbs. We, like I said, we've also talked about the qualifications for elders. Those are, um, what all men should aspire to be not, not that they're called to be an elder or pastor, but the conduct of those men is what every Christian should be desiring to be one of good character, one of good conduct, seeking to honor God in the way that they live their lives. We know at times we fall short. We know at times we fail, um, but praise God. We have an advocate with the father who is Christ Jesus, the righteous, that when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And so if, if your marriage is not in the place where you know it should be, and I'm sure there's areas in which we all could work on our marriages, all of us, mm-hmm. that we seek the face of God, we pray for our marriages, we pray for wisdom in how to lead our wives, wives pray for the, the, the grace to be respectful to your husband, even when you may think they don't deserve it or they're not meeting your needs or meeting the, 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 the desires of your, even your heart, pray for that. Pray that God would change uh, the way in which they operate, that God would bring those desires in, in together, that the marriage would be a blessing and uh, graceful to the wives and husbands, husbands to the wives and wives to the husbands and so forth. Mike, last thoughts, last words. It's all yours, brother. <clears throat> yeah. I think just to, to remember though we kind of looked at maybe specific duties and they're important to think about, but in the end, your husbands and wives, your, your spouse is a relationship also that needs time and investing. And so when we read about how we are to interact with believers, like spurring them up, towards love and good works or to sing hymn songs and spiritual songs that we take those opportunities, whether they're believers or not to invest in those relationships and to point them in our ways to our savior. Amen. Next week, we will talk about the problem of sin within uh, the the marriage, and uh, hope you will join us then. Until then, God bless and good night.